Hello and welcome to the second edition of Victor's Corner. I am your host, Victor Romoyo, one-fourth of the Codex Prime podcast, and I'm coming to you once again separately, albeit temporarily, for I will be back on the Codex Prime podcast soon enough. I cannot wait until I get back into the mix with my Codex Prime brothers once again. Well, they're not my brothers, but you you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know, it's it's a it's a camaraderie thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how we do in the podcast world, son. You know, it's a, it's a brotherhood or a sisterhood. It, it, it's it's a hood. You know, let's just leave it at that. But uh, but um, once again, thank you for tuning in. And I do have a couple of uh, dead related subjects to talk about, uh, specifically that wonderful and wacky Ryan Reynolds vehicle, Deadpool, which just uh, made its debut this past weekend in theaters, as well as the Walking Dead mid-season premiere entitled No Way Out, which I will get into some spoilerific territory on. So if you haven't seen the latest episode of The Walking Dead and you really want to, and you haven't, and if you have not seen Deadpool, then you might want to, you know, handle your business in that respect and then come back here and enjoy this episode because I am going to get into a few spoilers here and there. But if you if you're one of those that don't care about spoilers or if you are or if you have already been on the bandwagon, then hey, welcome aboard all the same. Okay, so one thing that I did want to mention briefly before I get into Deadpool was Aris's review and recommendation of Bravely Default for the Nintendo DS, which he talked about in this week's episode of the Codex Prime podcast. And Bravely Default sounds like a fantastic RPG. Sounds like one that sounds like a game that's right up my alley. And it's actually got me thinking about re-exploring the Nintendo DS library once again. Um, it's actually been about, I'd say, two or three years since I've actually picked up a DS and finished a game in its entirety on that system. Uh, that the last game uh, that I actually finished on the on the DS was Castlevania: Order of Ecclesia, and which is a fantastic entry in the Castlevania series, as well as one of the most challenging games in that whole franchise. And the game also has an awesome soundtrack to boot. Um, so if you haven't played Order of Ecclesia, you, you should. But uh, Bravely Default it sounds like a game that. Uh, that I'd that I would really get into. So thank you, Aris, for recommending that game. Um, that also reminds me, I might also explore uh, Fire Emblem, uh, whatever the latest uh, entry in that in that series is. Uh, Fire Emblem was also a, a game that I actually enjoyed for the Game Boy Advance back in 2004. So <laughs> I'm actually, you know, slightly behind. But um. <clears throat> As far as DS recommendations go, uh, if listeners, if you have any DS recommendations for me, then by all means send them along at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, type in Victor in the subject line, and I'll be sure to read your recommendations on the air in the next edition of Victor's Corner. Um, and as far as video games go, right now I'm currently working my way gradually through The Witcher 3. Um, and that game is so long that, quite frankly, it feels like a job. <laughs> um, it's like a, it's like I think I think what's 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 bogging me down in that game is that I'm exploring every single question mark that pops up on the maps, and I'm not, and I'm actually ignoring the main story, and I really want to get through the main narrative because I just want to get the game over with. I, I want to because the story is the story is so interesting that I actually want to see see it 
through to its complete to its conclusion as soon as possible because otherwise I don't think I'll ever finish the game and it's it's been and it's almost been a year since The Witcher 3 came out so I will make it a point to finish it in the next few months at least by the time summer rolls around um and I also have Fallout 4 which is right now it's on the back burner because you know the great thing about Fallout 4 as well as its biggest detriment in my opinion is that well it's more fallout it's kind of more of the same so you know i've it's you know it you know it's just like playing fallout 3 or fallout new vegas you know fallout 4 falls feels like a you know a nice a nice pair of gloves a nice well-worn pair of gloves and um really there's not much about it that really sticks out to me so far um so it's a game that i can actually you know afford to you know keep on the shelf for a while while i get through these other games that uh that seem more interesting but uh yeah that's that's about it for the for the video game segment um deadpool is why we're here yes or at least one reason why we're here uh deadpool was the uh latest entry latest marvel film uh by 20th century fox and it's that wonderfully wacky and delightful Ryan Reynolds vehicle. Uh, Ryan Reynolds stars as the Merc with the Mouth, Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool. And man, I got to tell you, man, Deadpool is just a great, great film. It's it, I, I enjoyed it very much. And it just feels so fresh. And part of that is because of Ryan Reynolds' performance as the Merc with the Mouth. And this was a this this was a character that you know Ryan Reynolds has been campaigning to play for years, and he actually he actually had his chance to play it in that awful uh, X Men Origins Wolverine uh, film, which doesn't exist in the canon thanks to Days of Future Past. So we don't have to talk about that at any great length. But Deadpool, uh, but Deadpool is the ver- is the version of that character that we've been waiting for for so many years, especially fans of the franchise, and and it just feels so fresh, you know. And part of and part of that is well, actually not a part of a big reason why Deadpool feels so fresh is because of its R rating. You know, Fox could have taken the safest way possible and made this a PG-13 vehicle. And if it did, it would have not only have severely neutered uh, the Deadpool character, but the whole film would have felt, you know, standard. It would have felt totally standard. It would have felt totally boilerplate and cliched and just, you know, forgettable if it were a PG-13 film. And the R rating actually actually liberates the filmmakers uh, from from those PG thirteen trappings of having to appeal to a mass market audience, to having to appeal to you know preteens and kids and the like. You know, it, I'm so glad that Fox actually managed to get out of the way and allow Tim Miller, the director and the writers, and Ryan Reynolds and company to go for broke and just you know bring this character to life as it should be realized and and the r rating actually actually makes this film feel fresh because when you look at the story itself you know it is standard and you know pretty cliched and you know it's not really much to write home about i mean ryan reynolds he's he's just a every an average joe who happens to be a mercenary who you know who 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 gets who gets 
turned into this insane walking weapon and he fights for the fights for the love of his life and he has to defeat some standard british villain <laughs> you know i mean it it, it, it just sounds really ordinary it, it sounds it doesn't sound like anything you have not seen before which is true but deadpool actually manages to take a manages to manages to um deliver such a such an outlandish and such a unique take on the whole superhero genre that that it just feels so invigorating to watch and Ryan Reynolds is just perfect slam dunk casting as the title character and quite frankly nobody else could have played that role as well as he did i mean nobody can no other actor i can think of can bring it, bring that bring as much verve and as much charisma and as much much oomph to to the character as he did and and really uh and really you you have to give it up to uh the efforts of tim miller because tim miller this is a this is actually a, a remarkable uh directorial debut feature from him this is actually his first film uh tim miller uh his background is in is in animation and he was he was known for creating the uh the highly praised opening credits to David Fincher's 2011 adaptation of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, as well as Thor The Dark World. And and uh, he actually brings his opening credits expertise to this film. And the opening credits were just hilarious. I mean, I mean, I won't, I won't spoil it if you haven't seen the film, but it just has to be seen to be believed. And also, the supporting cast actually makes this film gold. I mean, you have to look at, uh, first of all, you have to look at uh, Morena Baccarin as Vanessa Carlyle, who is his girlfriend, you know, his love interest, the uh, prostitute who, uh, who manages to have a, you know, a heartwarmingly raunchy relationship with Wade Wilson. And I, I, I don't know, I, I just loved how, I just loved how over the top and how, um, how x-rated their relationship was i mean it, it felt it, it, it felt crass it felt raunchy but at the same time it was just oddly endearing and you know it's just something that kind of warms my heart you know and especially you know for for this this past valentine's day weekend you know this is actually not an ideal valentine's day film perhaps the best around because of their relationship i mean you actually buy it there's credibility there and there's wonderful chemistry between baccarin and reynolds and you actually buy it. You actually buy their their relationship. You know, it's not just you know, it's not just them exchanging one-liners after another. You know, they're not just going through the motions. You actually feel for them. And also, you have to give up give it up to uh, Stefan Stefan Kapicic as Colossus, who provided the voice of Peter Rasputin slash Colossus, as well as um, Brianna Hildebrand as Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I mean, both both characters kind of serve as the straight men, if you will, the the straight foil to Deadpool's craziness and outlandishness, and uh, and Stefan Kapitchik as Colossus is just awesome. <laughs> you know, he was just he was quite funny. You know, he was quite earnest as as uh, as the lone moral center of the film, and I, I kind of wonder, you know, if if this version of Colossus was featured. In a in a straight X Men film, would he have been as interesting, or or was that or, or was the character made interesting because he had to work with Deadpool? I mean, if he had to work with other characters like say Logan or Cyclops, would he have been as captivating? I I kind of wonder 
wonder about that. But but in any case, uh, Kapitchik did did, a, did an awesome job, you know, providing the voice, and and uh, the the whole film is just completely filled with funny as fuck dialogue, man. I mean, some some of the jokes I did miss because my the audience that I saw it with were were, la- were just laughing so loud that I kind of missed a couple lines here and there. But I do want to catch this film again when it comes out on Blu-ray so I can actually pour through uh, each and every scene. And overall, Deadpool is a film that works 100%. I mean, there are no major flaws that I can see in this film. And you probably could make some minor nitpicks here and there if you're so inclined. But, you know, overall, the film the film does what it sets out to do very well. And it's a it's a great example of the old adage that, you know, no idea is original and it's not what you do, but how you do it. And Deadpool exemplifies that in spades. So uh, if you're in the mood for for some unique comic book film fare, then and if you don't mind R-rated violence, then Deadpool is the film made just for you. And I give it my I give it my enthusiastic recommendation. And it's a fun and best of all, it's actually a fun date film. It's a it's a it's a fun romance film and it's a fun action film. So, you know, it hits all wonderful demographics. And and it definitely earns its R rating with a plumb. So Deadpool I give it my enthusiastic recommendation. Go see it if you haven't. See it again if you have. And on that note, um, I do want to mention a couple things about Deadpool. One thing is that it actually managed to have the biggest box office opening weekend for an R-rated film, opening at uh, $132 million, which has surpassed The Matrix Reloaded and American Sniper, which were two of the previous R-rated record holders of uh, big box office openers. So, yeah, that's that's one fact. And uh, also, um, like I mentioned before, the R rating manages to uh, manages to allow the filmmakers to stretch their wings. I'm hoping that with the R rating for future superhero films, it will allow for more daring and thematically thematically uh, rich uh, uh, comic book fare. I mean, for example, and I actually had, I remember having this conversation with Regan Hurst from Rococo's, a shout out to Regan. And uh, he actually, he actually mentioned something that was, uh, that kind of stands out in my mind. And he mentioned about how there should be an R-rated Batman film, because Batman can get pretty R-rated if you read any of the comics. And he mentioned one specific example, that it was uh, Alan Moore's classic uh, story, The Killing Joke, and how that would be the perfect vehicle for an R-rated Batman film. And I actually do agree. I actually would love to see a live-action R-rated Killing Joke adaptation. And although I will say that when you read The Killing Joke, it it, it is a short story pretty much. So, I mean, it kind of... It kind of seems a little thin material-wise if you try to stretch it to a feature-length film. So you'd have to take some liberties here and there, and you'd have to expand uh, certain things to get to justify a feature length. But I do agree that the killing joke, how it unfolds, would be perfect R-rated uh, Batman fare. And if and if anything, too, on that note, uh, the R rating could could serve as, you know could serve as an example of how 
studios they don't have studios don't have to tie every single superhero film into the same cinematic universe rather the r rating could be could be used to justify you know popular one-offs here and there just one-off you know standalone superhero or supervillain films that can actually draw in more audiences and actually stretch you know the creative and artistic and thematic um boundaries of the comic book genres so i'm hoping that deadpool will will uh, send a message to you know to the to studio executives that you know it's not just raunchiness it's not just profanity it's not just you know gore and bullets and blood that that will put asses in seats no um it's actually you know create creativity it's unique it's unique artistry it's you know daring it's just daring thematic stories that would you know push the envelope in in so in certain ways and i'm hoping that the r rating will liberate studios you know from from the pg-13 shackles that would otherwise comp creatively compromise a piece of work so hopefully hopefully this will be a positive turning point for the comic book uh, genre in the near future all right now shifting gears uh, let's talk about The Walking Dead mid-season premiere, episode 9 of season 6, entitled No Way Out. Um, you know, uh, The Walking Dead had a strong start uh, this season, and a few filler episodes here and there. Uh, some episodes, you know, that kind of made me roll my eyes. Uh, namely, the couple episodes, you know, after uh, Glenn's uh, false death from, from the uh, first half of the season. Uh, a few filler episodes here and there, but man, oh man, No Way Out, which is the ninth episode of season six. God damn, this was the unequivocally the very best Walking Dead episode I've ever seen, and I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, the way that it started was just was. I just stood up and applauded when when those dickhead Negan's henchmen actually took a rocket launcher to the face, son, courtesy of courtesy of my boy Daryl. Oh man, it was just so gratifying having having that rocket launcher blow them all up to Kingdom Come, blow them up real good. And um, another moment that really that made me stand up and applaud was. The death of Sam, that the little boy Sam and his family, uh, his bro- his dickhead brother and his mother. Uh, Sam was a character that I did not did I did not like at all. I hated this character from from Jump Street, from his 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 just his, from his stupid mousy face to his penchant for eating Carol's cookies to to. To, 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 to just his cowardice, Sam was a character who was just too goddamn soft for the Walking Dead world. And his mother, Jessie, was no help at all. She was a total enabler. You know, allowing him to, to, to sit in his room, fearful of the world, actually going so far as to bringing up his, his food and leaving it in front of his bedroom door. I mean, you're turning... I mean, oh my God, man. Talk about poor parenting i would have forced that kid to have his food outside 
outside the goddamn house in the middle of the street, even if, even when there were wolves and zombies around. You know, toughen him up. Have 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 Rick force him to do some push-ups or something, man. Jesus. But man, seeing that, seeing the scene where those uh, where those walkers eviscerated Sam from the inside out. Oh, that was so gratifying because I never liked that character. And Carol, for that matter, Carol actually called it. She told him that he wasn't going to make it. Carol told him that Sam was not long for this world. And lo and behold, she was right. And you know what? I'm glad because, quite frankly, Sam was a douche. I was so glad that he died. It couldn't have happened to a nicer character. And his dickhead brother, you know, caught a katana through the sternum, but not before you know, uh, shooting uh, Carl in the eye and almost killing the poor guy. But I'm glad that, uh, but that his Sam's brother uh, got, got eviscerated. I feel bad for Jesse though, because I don't think Jesse deserved that, but you could tell that her fate was sealed because she just wasn't going to leave her son behind, although she really should have, and I would not have held it against her. You, you know, maybe maybe parents watching the show would, but for for the for the matter, for, but for what it's worth, I would not have. I would have totally understood. I mean, because because here's the thing, man. I mean, if your if your kid is that soft, and if your kid is gonna jeopardize your life, what are you gonna do, huh? Be real with yourself. Just sit down, sit down, sit sit, sit your kid down and be like, hey, listen, listen. If the zombie apocalypse rolls around. And if you're going to be sitting around moping and crying in your bedroom, ex expecting me to bring your dinner, I'm going to leave you to the walkers. You're going to be walker food. Unless you man up or woman up, you better put your big boy or big girl drawers on and get with the program. You better pick up that katana or your weapon of choice and, you know, help, and help me survive. Shit. But yeah, so uh, yeah, that was my parenting advice for that. Um, another, another great, uh, another great element uh, that I did mention that I, that stood out to me rather was uh, the wolf, the wolf that uh, Morgan tried to reform. And for the record, I gotta say, you know, Morgan was a character that I was very happy to see come back at the beginning of the season of the sixth season, but. Considering his actions, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, especially his um, his dealings with Eastman, his uh, would-be mentor, if you will, who trained him in the ways of the staff, the bow staff, and the ways of mercy. But right now, Mor Morgan has been has been in the doghouse for me because here's a character that, yeah, I understand that he lost his son. He did. He went insane, you know, always trying to, always having a penchant for writing the word "clear" everywhere he went for some reason. And I understand. I understand his pain. I understand his his desire to not take a life. But the fact is, that's not the type of world he lives in. And Morgan has to strike that balance between mercy and ruthlessness. You know, the, you know the balance that Carol managed managed to achieve. So I'm hoping that Morgan will, you know, get his head get his head out of his ass and actually gain some perspective for once. 
Otherwise, Carol will tell him to go see the flowers, and I don't want her to do that because we need all the black characters we can get on this show, except for Father Gabriel, because Father Gabriel is useless as fuck. He's about as useful. He's a he's more useless than Eugene, and that's pretty damn useless. Although I will say that I I, I will give Father Gabriel props because he actually managed to step up. He actually managed to find his sack, and he managed to nut up. He managed to shut up. And he managed to help the Alexandrians reclaim their town. So, hopefully, this hopefully there'll be a sea change in sea change in uh, Father Gabriel's character moving forward. Otherwise, I'd rather him and Eugene just become Walker food already. Um, but yeah, getting back to uh, the wolf that uh, Morgan tried to reform, um, the question that the question that pops up in in my mind is. I mean, because because the thing is, like, the the wolf, you know, he he captured the niece, the the would be nurse, and he managed, and he tried to get her to help him escape. And when Denise was surrounded surrounded by walkers, the wolf actually actually managed to help Denise, you know, escape from turning into Walker Chow, but he got bit in the process. And when he went, and when he tried to save Denise, Carol shot him. As she should have, because that wolf had it coming. And I'm so glad he did with his rotten-ass teeth. But the question remains, did did the wolf save Denise because, you know, just out of pure survival instinct? out of Was it, was it out of pure self-interest, you know, for his own survival? You know, she was a means to an end? Or, or, or was it because Morgan's words reached him somehow? You know, in the heat of the moment, maybe maybe Morgan's words actually clicked in his mind and he decided to, you know, maybe do some good. You know, that's that's a that's a question that, you know, that that makes me wonder, you know, was he was he starting to get on the path of of reformation or was it just survival instinct? I'm actually inclined to believe that it was just survival instinct, but you can actually read read that character's actions in that in this episode, you know, one or one of one of the two ways. And uh, man, I gotta say the 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 one the one the one moment that actually made made my jaw drop too was you know Rick's one man one man uh, zombie killing spree uh, after he uh, managed to get Carl to safety who uh, who's right now who had his uh, left or right eye blown out by that douchebag kid and. When he when he went out to face those walkers on his own, his one man rampage ex- inspiring everyone else to uh to clear out the town. I was like, Rick, bruh. I mean, goddamn. I mean, Rick, Rick, you know, goes off the deep end here and there more times than Shane. I mean, Rick is basically Shane 2.0 at this point. He's been Shane 2.0, you know, for a long time now. But damn, the fact that he managed to take out a whole squad of walkers by himself, you know. It, it, when he was just bubbling up with rage, you know, it kind of makes me wonder. You know, um, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe he should have been cast as the Punisher. I don't know, but, uh, but man, it, it was, it, it was just something that you know kind of made made my hair stand on end. Um, last thing I will say about the this episode of The Walking Dead. Um, I am looking forward to seeing this Negan character. You know, I I, I have not I, I I don't have not read the Walking Dead comics, but from what I understand, 
uh, Negan is a villain that's so vile and so nasty that he actually makes the governor look like Mr. Rogers. And judging from that description, I think I think we haven't seen anything yet. We have we have yet to see the true depths of human depravity on The Walking Dead. If if this Negan character is to be believed, so. Um, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing this character uh, being revealed eventually, and uh, Negan is actually being played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who also played another vile character uh, called the Comedian from the Watchmen film, uh, directed by Zack Snyder. So yeah, The Walking Dead season six, episode nine, No Way Out. Goddamn! If the rest of the season is like this episode, then then. Wow, we are in for a major treat. Bring on all the zombies. Bring on all the evisceration. Sign me up. I can't wait for the next blood-soaked episode. All right, so that about does it for this week's episode of Victor's Corner. Um, You can find me on the Twitter machine, if you're so inclined, at Victor Omoyo. And you can also find me on YouTube as well. Uh, youtube.com slash vomoyo and you can also email me at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com just type in victor in the subject line and i'll be sure to read your email in the next edition of victor's corner and uh once again thank you so much for tuning in i will catch you next time uh in the meantime be well stay awesome stay classy And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Take care, guys.